Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. We are so glad that you are here. It's been so nice to see you again. It's always nice to see you guys. Every time I see you, have you lost weight? (laughs) Every time we see you, you just look better and better. So, thanks. Maybe that's the effect that this podcast has, I'd like to think. We're a weight loss drug? (laughs) That's cool. That's dangerous. I could use some of that. Bullshit. Just kidding, everyone. Um, Put a quarter in the (laughs) self-deprecating jar. (laughs) Seriously. It may feel like just another Thursday for you guys, but... For Katie and I, we haven't recorded in a long time, mm-hmm. so we may have backtracked a few episodes to uh, accommodate vacations and such. But we're here, and we're excited, and today's case is messed up, mm-hmm. per usual. So, don't you guys worry. Business as usual. Indeed. Mm. So, the self-deprecating jar is not the only thing we're putting money into. <laughs> right. If you guys have been paying attention, it's about that time again where we have wrapped up another batch of our swear jar. Woo! So you're probably wondering what the numbers are. Oh, and boy, (laughs) you guys, let's just say we had a twisty turny uh, result, almost. 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 Getting there, but almost. Yeah. So if you guys remember back to episode 41, we covered the serial killer William Devin Howell. Mm-hmm. Liz started us off strong with a whopping 13 (laughs) F-words. Oh my god. That one episode. That was the record for the whole, this 10 episode stretch. It was embarrassing. For episode 48, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist, Yes, I seem to uh, narrow the lead a little bit. Okay. I seem to catch up. Yeah. I had 10. Oh my god. That's a record for you. Yeah, it is. Period. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And you only had four for that one. Mm, listen, I'm improving. <laughs> so you guys might remember our first swear jar, we did Bridget's House of Hope, and we donated $86 um, to the foundation, which was awesome and exciting. While this swear jar was for the New England Innocence Project, a great idea by Katie, our total was close to to 86 plus a few dollars dollars. <laughs> $91 raised for the New England Innocence Project. Yep. Which if you guys do not recall, we'll give you a little refresher. Um, these guys use DNA evidence and pro bono lawyers to go in and help incarcerated individuals who have been wrongfully convicted of crimes. Mhm. Amazing. They're phenomenal. So very exciting to be able to donate almost a hundred dollars. Yeah, we will see what this round brings. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to one hundred. The numbers were a lot closer than last time. Yeah, they were. Liz, you had forty nine of the ninety one, and I had forty two of the ninety one. So 91. close. So I'm getting there. Yeah, you I'm, are. I'm catching up. God, I'm I'm really making an impression on you. <laughs> That's exciting. I love it. So for this next swear jar, 
if you listen to our mini-sode, you will have heard what we are doing, but obviously we'll say it again. But we're kind of straying off the path in terms of true crime um, donations. We're still in New England, so half of our our title. But um, we are straying off the path. We are going to be donating to the Beyond the Rainbow Fund. It's an organization through Exeter Hospital, which is the hospital in Exeter, New Hampshire. Um, we are doing this in honor of my grandma, who, again, if you listen to the mini-sode, uh, she passed away in the beginning of June from breast and liver cancer. So we're doing it in her honor. She was treated at Exeter Hospital. She also retired from Exeter Hospital. Oh, wow. Um, my grandfather works there. My dad works there. I used to work there. Both my aunts used to work there. It's a family affair. So the Beyond the Rainbow Fund, it felt appropriate. My Aunt Kim actually... Um, recommended it and said why don't you do this she's an avid listener so I was like that's a great idea I think it's such a nice idea and I think it's a very nice tribute and a nice dedication because if you guys remember <laughs> the swear jar was my friend and co-worker Janice's idea playing off of Liz <laughs> always apologizing to her grandma yeah. for swearing yeah it, so it, it works really well I yeah think. And it's a very nice tribute I think yeah and I appreciate you agreeing i knew you would for sure this of is course. a genius idea i think it's nice to just you know cancer is very real and uh very prevalent in the world just as much as true crime is unfortunately mm -hmm. um so we are going to be donating to beyond the rainbow fund um thank you to janice again for the swear jar idea thank you to my grammy for making me apologize every time i swore <laughs> Um, she didn't make me, but she was always like, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I would like it more if there were less swears. Okay. Valid. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair. <laughs> um, so the Beyond the Rainbow Fund basically is an organization that gives money to cancer patients um, who are needing things in their families. Um, for example, like helping provide transportation to appointments. Um it said on the website that they've paid mortgage bills. Wow. And, yeah, like things that obviously cancer causes so many problems. And then there's families that are involved and life doesn't stop when you have cancer. You still have bills and you still have jobs and there's still people around you. So they help with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really awesome thing to do. For sure. So we thought it would be a good idea to um, help out for people like that. And who knows, maybe I've been talking to some of my relatives and they uh, have agreed to match the donations. So we'll let you know, but I'm feeling that maybe this one will be good. It'll be good. And there's such a good meaning behind it. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole reason we started the swear jar, so it's only fitting. It's it perfect. It makes sense. It really does. So... Stay tuned, guys. Um, the episode start of the swear jar this time around was 51. So you can count along with us if you want. You and I, Katie, are getting a lot better at getting the same number. Yes. Like in terms of we'll listen. When I'm editing, I'll count. When you listen back, you'll count. And then for almost all of them this time, we were like, I got this and this. Me too. It was great. Perfect. So we're really learning. Yes. So that's awesome. Oh, one more little housekeeping thing. Oh, housekeeping. Thank you so much to Kelly for buying us a coffee. Yes. 
That's right. Thank you so much. That was awesome. That is so sweet. You're our very first person to buy us a coffee. And uh, you get a shout out because of that. Very kind of you. Thank you, Kelly, so much. I really appreciate it. We bought 18 coffees. No, (laughs) but that's awesome. Like, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Switching gears per usual. Today's epi. Not, Not fun. Per se, although it is a serial killer mm-hmm. in Rhode Island, which we, you guys all know if you listen regularly, Rhode Island is not a friend of ours in terms of finding cases that aren't mob related sure. um, or mysterious death. So we're excited, but it's messed up. Yeah. Um, I would even go as far as to say that I think this case warrants a little bit of a content warning. Oh, yeah. Um, given the graphic nature, the guy that we're talking about, you can tell by the title, Raymond Lasser, he's a serial killer and also a serial rapist. Yeah. Um, a lot of his sexual assaults that he committed were appalling, really, really brutal. So Very. if that's not something that you want to listen to... Understandable. Um, because we do have, like, the autopsy and stuff from them, mm-hmm. and it's it's really brutal. It's awful. So if that's not something you want to hear, understandably so. Mm. Um, it was nauseating reading it. Yeah. I can't imagine hearing it. So yeah. we'll see you next week if that's the case. Yep. Do not even worry. Peace out. Yep. See ya. We, you guys know the drill. We mm-hmm. get it. It's a lot. It is a lot. So um, nonetheless, it's still going to be interesting to talk about. And it's, For sure. It really embodies the definition of true crime. Yes. So it's going to be interesting. So if you're able to, we hope you stick around. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, today we will be covering Raymond Lasser. Okay, let's get started with our sources. Katie, what do you got? I gotta say, I gotta start with Wikipedia. Hell yeah, you do. I can't not start with Wikipedia. If we got it, it's there. It's the first one. It's because it's the one, number one in our hearts. 100%. Yeah. I also use law.jessia.com, upi.com, and AP News. We have the exact same sources. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a great one. All right. Okay, let's get into it. Sure. Katie, start us off. So, in Rhode Island in the summer of 1984, the bodies of three women were found within a five-block radius near a bus depot, and these murders had been committed within a radius of a half mile of each other. Wow, that is really... Yeah. Like, if you're going to kill someone and make it seem like they're not connected, don't leave them. <laughs> don't do it within a half mile. That's so small. All of the women had been strangled and left only partially clothed. So the first murder took place on June 26th, 1984. 22-year-old Lori Carlucci had been working as a sex worker, and her body was found in a vacant parking lot by a construction site. On August 17th, my birthday, 18-year-old Juana Sue Adams' body was found in the Wunasquatecet River. She was an aspiring model and gospel singer. She was actually from Columbia, South Carolina, and she'd been only in Rhode Island visiting family members. And she was murdered the day before on August 16th. Just two weeks later, on August 30th, 58-year-old Dolores Neusser's body was found beaten and battered in a parking garage. And she was a houseless woman. Oh, that's terrible. 
So police obviously know that these three murders are related. I mean, they're all in such a close radius. They were all strangled. They're all left the same way, only partially clothed. Yeah. So they're thinking, you know, this has to be the same guy. But they had no leads. They had no idea who this could be. Yeah. Because their ages were a little different, Mm -hmm. and while their demographics were fairly similar, at least, you know, one was homeless, one was a sex worker, one was visiting. Like, it's just, it's a little scattered. It's weird. Yeah. So they had no idea. Right. Until September 18th. 14-year-old Carrie Ann Talbot from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, was found beaten in Roger Williams Park in Providence. She had also been sexually assaulted. She had heel marks in her left eye from being stomped in the face, and this actually caused her to lose eyesight in that eye. That's awful. She had been through horrific, horrific trauma, Yeah. but she survived, and she was able to identify her attacker and tell police what happened. Which is incredible. She's the reason this whole case is solved. Yeah, she is. She's a badass. She kicked ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did. 14 years old. I know. That poor baby. That is so young. And to think she was left for dead, essentially. He probably thought that he had finished her off. For sure. Oh, my God. She probably saved a lot of lives. Because I know for a fact that this he would not stop. He, for sure. No way he would. Right? Oh, my gosh. Poor little lady. Mm-hmm. So when Carrie Ann came forward, again, 14 years old. Um, she ended up bravely telling the whole story of what happened. And this is about what she said. Well, so first of all, Carrie Ann was kind of like a a runaway, essentially. Um, she had lived in a wound socket shelter and she was well known in the community just because she was often walking like late at night Mm -hmm. and early in the morning because she didn't really have anywhere to be. Um, so she had an acquaintance and this was 23 year old Raymond Lasser and she actually knew him because he was, uh, a male sex worker and he worked the streets that she was often just like hanging out on because she had nowhere to go. So she actually met him at the Savin street bus station, which was in downtown, uh, Providence. And he was like, Hey, you want to hang out? And she was like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't go any, you know, I'm just all over the place. And so they uh, they walked across the street and they went to like the Journal Bolton Garage was what it was called. Got in his truck. Everything is still normal. They smoked a joint together. And then they went to a liquor store where Raymond purchased basically a six pack of beer and some cigarettes, which is like painting a real nice picture of him in my brain. <laughs> but hey, no judgment here. Actually, a lot of judgment because I hate him. So after they went to the liquor store, they went to another one. There, Raymond bought a nice bottle of peppermint schnapps because who doesn't want to mix their beer with peppermint schnapps, right? Putrid. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, Then they stopped at McDonald's. Carrie Ann got something to eat. And then they made their way to Roger Williams Park, which you mentioned previously. And that was, of course, in Providence. So... They went behind a baseball field, and it was next to a tennis court, so it was like the sports area. They smoked another joint, drank some beer, and they just kind of hung out. According to Carrie Ann, she drank one beer, and Raymond drank several. And then she 
revealed that while they were hanging out, Raymond started to make some sexual passes at Carrie Ann, which she did not accept because for many reasons, I'm sure she's 14. He's 23. He's a piece of shit because she didn't want to whatever. She didn't want to. Obviously he was a little upset about this. So, uh, he, he started by throwing her to the ground when she was on the ground, the way he threw her, she lost consciousness. Oh my God. It sounded like he threw her down with so much force that yeah. she just, she hit her head Jeez. and she just passed out. When she came to though, she had Raymond straddling her and he was choking her with his hands. And so she fainted again. I'm sure this was all in very quick succession. Like she didn't lose consciousness for very long. Like right. this was quick. Um, she regained consciousness again, the second time now, and Raymond then kicked her hard in the forehead, stepped on her face, it sounds <sighs> like, and for the third time, she lost consciousness. The third time she regained consciousness, she was alone in this park, and she woke up to her pant legs being pulled down, she had only one of her shoes on, her underwear was gone completely, and her shirt was pulled up to expose her breasts, and her bra was around her neck. So clearly this sounds very much like we've heard it before. Any true crime fan has heard this. Mm -hmm. A lot of sexual sadists leave their victims in this position when they kill them because it's so vulnerable. It's such an awful position. It makes them look bad. Mm -hmm. He thought she was dead. Oh, he fully thought that she was dead. Yeah. And if he thought, okay, she's still breathing, she won't be for long. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And this is the worst part, so just a warning, guys. When she woke up and she tried to move, she felt a really intense, sharp pain in her stomach. And that sharp pain was because she had a stick inserted into her vagina. So that is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she woke up to that, I'm so glad she woke up. But my God, he really left her to just be so vulnerable and like look at this nobody you know to stomp her in the face where she lost eyesight in that one eye and what blew my mind is that she very carefully took that stick out so she could crawl to the main road she was found in that state Mm -hmm. and then she was brought to the hospital and this is when she started to say like i this is what happened um when she was in the hospital they discovered that she had trauma to her liver which as a result caused internal bleeding and she also had small twigs pebbles and grass inside her vagina yeah so he was like oh he was messed up so messed up for a 14 year old girl to have to go through that and she crawled to get help because she could not walk yeah he i can't even and she had lost sight in one of her eyes at this point, because he stomped on her face. She definitely has a concussion, if not oh, more. 100%. Oh, my God. She lost consciousness three times from this man in such a short amount of time, I'm sure. And then, of course, like you said, when the police approached her, she instantly, she knew him. So she, she implicated him. And the next day, on September 18th of 1984, Raymond Lasser was arrested Mm -hmm. for first degree sexual assault 
which I think he should get a whole bunch of other things, but that's near neither hither nor thither. <laughs> so this Raymond Lasser character, obviously he's 23 years old. So young. He's described as, quote, an unemployed drifter and male sex worker. Isn't that employment, though? <laughs> just, just food for thought. Sorry. The sex worker, okay, whatever, you got to make your living somehow. Drifter never has any good positive connotations towards it. Absolutely not. No good thing comes out of drifting. No. No, it does not. And it's always like these lone men type. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a woman and you're drifting around, something usually happens to you. Right. So it's, he, he's just, he's scum. Yeah. So he was arrested and they're asking him questions. You know, hey, this girl said you did this. Mm. He admitted to everything that he did to Carrie Ann except he said he had no memory of inserting a stick into her vagina or kicking her in the face. Which uh, is interesting because she had um, boot marks on her fucking face. Oh, and a stick in her vagina. That penetrated her liver like she was hemorrhaging. Yeah. <laughs> he <sighs> Dumb. So he admitted to the rape and attempted murder of Carrie Ann because mm -hmm. he fully thought that she was going to die. Yeah. So then they start piecing things together. You know, the way that Carrie Ann was left to die, mm -hmm. partially exposed, actively being strangled with her bra. Yeah. They thought maybe this guy has something to do with those other three women that were found in the exact same way. Interestingly enough, good move on the police department. Crazy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Very weird. So they started showing pictures and they showed him a picture of our first victim that was found, Lori Carlucci. He saw the photo, and the police asked Raymond if he killed her, and he stated, I killed all of them. Oh. Isn't that special? Oh, just right out the gate. <laughs> right. No problem holding that back. So then he starts telling police all the details of how he killed these women. Like, literally no hesitation. Mm-hmm. Like, the floodgates opened, and he just started talking. And I may be bold to say... He kind of seemed proud of it. For sure. Yeah. Obviously, the first picture that they showed him was of Lori, um, who was the 22-year-old who was a sex worker. And, man, he didn't hold anything back. Mm -hmm. The details were, oh, God, they were terrible. Terrible stuff. This one is brutal, too. Yeah. And it was his first one, so he was... Mm -hmm. First that we know of. Yeah. I almost feel like a, a murder this brutal indicates that there's more before that. You don't start this brutal. No. Right? I would hope. Ugh. So basically, he started giving these details, and they were horrible, like we just said. He claimed he hit Lori several times and then started to strangle her. He said he didn't know how many times he had hit her. Um, spoiler alert. It was a lot. <laughs> um... He said that after he was done strangling her, he dragged her out of the car, which was where they were in. Um, he pulled off her pants and brought her underwear down. And then he confessed to putting a plywood stick that he said was two feet long and shoving it into her rectum. He said that this caused her to scream, oh understandably, which it was messed up because he said that she started to scream and then he was like wait no no it wasn't really it was a scream it was more like a moan like he was really giving details 
that were so... Oh, God. He's, like, proud of this. So proud. Wow. It's ridiculous. And then um, it was also discovered within this murder itself that the medical examiner thought that her collarbone was broken because of how far up that stick went. Yeah. And you don't really have to know much about the human body to know that that's insane. Yeah. I'm going to describe Katie's face right now. Her jaw is nearly to her chest. <laughs> it's That's how wide her mouth is. What the fuck? I know. Isn't that insane? Oh, and she, mm-mm. In, the idea alone. Wow. Officially, according to the medical examiner, her cause of death was strangulation, of course. And um, he had fractured her larynx and her hyoid bone, which is the hyoid bone is typical in a strangulation or like a hanging. Mm. But he, he fractured her larynx, which is all cartilage. And oh, that's hard to. Yeah, that's hard to do. So, yeah, he had no problem saying, yeah. I killed her. I shoved that two-foot stick so far up. He had no problem. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then naturally they asked him about the second body that they found, which was 18-year-old Wanda Sue Adams, um, the aspiring model and gospel singer visiting family. Yeah. He confessed that he met Wanda at a bus stop in downtown Providence near the train station, which is the same bus depot that everybody was found within a radius of. Right. He said they left to take a walk to an area to smoke a joint. Sounding familiar. Yeah. He said they sat on top of a wall and dangled their feet over the river below them while smoking weed. Okay. Raymond said he started to kiss Wanda for about 20 minutes, and she was kind of apprehensive, but she was just kind of going along with it. I get, yeah. And then he started to make further sexual advances, and she turned them down, which really upset him. Oh, boy. She got up to leave, and he grabbed her, put her in a headlock, and started to strangle her. Mm. He pulled her shirt up over her breasts and pulled down her pants and underwear to sexually assault her. He tried telling police that after he got up, after he raped her, Mm -hmm. to fix his own shirt, he saw that Wanda was moving, Mm -hmm. and he told police that she moved in such a way that caused her to fall off the wall and into the water by herself. That doesn't really sound likely. Yeah, no, the medical examiner didn't think so either. Um, he determined that Wanda had died of strangulation prior to being put in the water, and the cause of her death was not drowning. So I'm not entirely sure who he thought he was fooling with this. Himself? Yeah. Because that's... I mean, come on. If you find a body in the river, and there's no water in their lungs... They obviously died beforehand because you cannot inhale water if there's no breathing, Raymond. <laughs> that's and that's so sad. Yeah. Oh, it's so awful. Atrocious. Oh. And then, of course, naturally, there was a third body. Two weeks later. Two weeks. He's escalating very quickly here. Um, because and even so. The incident with Carrie Ann was two weeks later as well, after this one. So he was really going for it. So two weeks later, on August 30th of 1984, the body of 58-year-old Dolores Neusser was found in the stairwell of a downtown parking garage. She was apparently, they 
on the research said she was a bag lady. So I'm assuming she worked at like a grocery store, a convenience store or something. She was houseless and bag lady refers to um, those people that you might see with a grocery cart gathering cans out of people's recycling. The more you know. That was my understanding. Makes sense. To my knowledge, there's different ways that that term can be used to describe somebody, but I think with this specific person, that's how it was used. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. All right. She was also know, houseless. Right. That makes sense because I see a lot of um, bag people in downtown Portland. Yes. So. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, of course, this is all Raymond telling this story. Mm-hmm. So he says that he was so drunk, he'd been drinking so heavily that night, and he was hopping from bar to bar. He was he couldn't account for his actions. He was so hammered. Right. So they all say. So Raymond was walking aimlessly because the bar is closed and he was wicked drunk, I guess. And so he found himself on the top floor of the Parkade parking garage, which was located on Washington Street in Providence. Great. He decided that he was going to smoke a marijuana cigarette. Hmm. Hmm. Seems to be a fan of those. Yeah, he really does. And while he was rolling his own cigarette, suddenly Dolores appeared. And, um... She asked Raymond, what are you doing? Raymond didn't answer because he was busy, you know, rolling his cigarette. When Dolores informed him that she was going to go run downstairs and call the police because he did not belong there. And so this, and we know Raymond has a very short temper. This pissed him off. And so he grabbed Dolores from behind, placed her in a headlock. Familiar, right? Mm -hmm. And then choked her. And he says that after several minutes of choking her out, they both fell to the ground. And from here, he hit her several times and choked her from the front with both of his hands. And um, again, this is all according to our Prince Raymond. um, (laughs) That he, you know, he was heavily drinking. Uh, He claims, he claims that he had difficulty remembering what happened next. Hmm. Hmm. Did he? I don't know. I'm sure he remembered because he loves this stuff. Within a few hours, Dolores was found. She was naked from the waist down. Her sweater was pulled up to expose her breasts. And the medical examiner concluded that Dolores had been manually strangled and that she had severe injuries, which included fractures in her facial bones and her scalp. And that caused massive hemorrhaging. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't that awful? And she also had injuries in her lower abdomen, which included her bladder was separated, her uh, had a laceration of her small bowel and um, mesentery, which resulted in another internal hemorrhage. And um, her official cause of death was, quote, asphyxia due to strangulation and blunt force trauma to the face, head, and lower abdomen. He really beat her. This motherfucker's trial lasted two whole years. I can't even believe that. His court-appointed attorney, Russell M. Salito, tried to discredit Carrie Ann's testimony. He said that because she smoked weed and blacked out during the attack, her account wasn't accurate and we couldn't go off that. I'm sorry, but do you think that she stomped on her own face? Do you, Yeah, do you think she strangled herself with her own bra and inserted a stick... Uh, Come on now. Like, I know there are kinks and there are things, and that's fine. That is not one of them. And the fact that he inserted 
something into another one of his victims, and all of these women were found in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little telling. He also said that police tried to coerce Raymond Lasser into writing and signing the confessions because once Raymond started opening his big fat mouth, (laughs) he willingly signed all four of the confessions, three for each of the murders, and the fourth one for the rape and attempted murder of Carrie Ann. So, yes, police do have a very bad habit of coercing people into confessions. We see it all the time. A very real problem. Yes. Um, It's not outside the realm of possibility. However, they brought Raymond in and he said, I killed all of them. I did this, 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 and this, and I put this here, and I did this with her body, and I did... He's just spilling his guts. Right. So while I feel as though coercion is a huge issue in law enforcement, of course, I'll be the first one to say that every time. (laughs) I don't think that was quite the issue here. No. He was a little too forthcoming with this information. He was proud of it. Yeah. He was not coerced into anything. No. And you know what? He gave details that I'm sure only were known to the police and the killer. For sure. He confessed. He confessed to everything. Exactly. So his court-appointed attorney can suck it. Yeah, literally. Literally. And like you said, two years it Mm -hmm. took for that. And I don't think he should have any rights anyway, but a right to a speedy trial is a thing, and I think that's more for the victims of of the murderer, but they deserve justice, and it shouldn't have taken that long. For sure. Ridiculous. So, of course, like you alluded to, even though he had confessed and had written confessions and signed them, he pled innocent, which I'm sorry, but you can't like just go back and be like, wait, just kidding. JK, I was heavily drinking that night or whatever <laughs> like he says. Like, come on. And then, of course, in the trial, which took place in October of 1986, Carrie Ann Talbot, who was now 16, was the star witness. Wow. Like a badass bitch. She killed it. She's so brave. To have the courage to go up and take the stand in front of your attacker Mm. who left you for dead and tried to kill you. Yeah. So she did great things that day. She saved lives. I'm telling you. For sure. She did. So after the trial started petering out, a jury of nine women and three men took six hours to deliberate and came back with... A verdict. One I think uh, was a good call. I agree. (laughs) He was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder, one count of rape, and one count of attempted murder. Because of this, Raymond was sentenced to several life sentences, which were ordered to be served without the possibility of parole. In March of 1989, Raymond actually filed an appeal... He said that um, he did not understand Miranda rights. And when he waived them, he didn't understand that he was going to be talking and implicating himself in these terrible crimes. He didn't understand that. So that's why he was he was appealing, because, I mean, that wasn't fair to him, um, of course, even though they were, like, clearly laid out for him. And um, he also claimed that it was too confusing, quote, for the jurors to hear all of the counts he was charged with in a single trial. Like, all of those counts, like the five or six, whatever they were, was too much for the jury. Like, they were having a hard time processing it. Which we all know is bullshit because 
We all have seen trials where there's 20 plus mm-hmm. charges. Yeah. Um, he also claims that his decision to not testify may have left him without like the constitutional right to present his defense, which is also false because he had a defense lawyer who did that for him. For sure. So, wow. Awkward. Carrie Ann, her witness testimony was phenomenal. Yeah. Obviously, it matched with physical evidence left behind by Raymond. Right. The prosecutor, Jeffrey B. Pine, stated, His fingerprint is on every crime in the case. It jumps out at you. Each one bears his mark. He's a self-programmed killer, a serial killer, leaving his fingerprint on each of the crimes he committed. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the victim's mothers, Ernestine Robinson, stated, I didn't want a death penalty. I wanted him to suffer. I wanted him to live and suffer like the rest of us. Mm. And interestingly enough, he was the first prisoner to be successfully prosecuted under a new law at the time, which was life without parole statute. So it speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting for sure. And you know what? I agree with that victim's mom. Death is too easy for him. For sure. Yeah. Um, the appeal had 11 different reasons on it and they were all dumb and obviously that was denied and he had his conviction affirmed and he was still in jail and where he, I think he remains to this day. Yes. Piece of shit. He's still hanging out. And he's not that old, right? I mean, if he was 23 and 84, how old is he now? A little old, 60? Oh, don't sure. make me do math, guys. <laughs> he's up there, but he's not up there so much that he's going to keel over anytime soon. Yeah, so he's got long time to suffer and think about what he did. Indeed. Yeah. That was a heavy one. That is a heavy hitter, for sure. And I still think it's amazing that um, Carrie Ann had the bravery and the strength, even after all of that, to go and bravely testify against such an awful, awful creature. It's amazing that she survived all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's She's incredible. She is. And I wish her well. I hope she's, I doing, hope she's okay. doing good now. I, I know. Hope, I hope she had everything she ever dreamed of and I know. is happy and well. Because that's... It's hard to come back from that. But again, the strength she had to even testify is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. He, I can't believe I've never heard of him. He was... I know, out of Rhode Island, too. Yeah. Well, anyways, you guys, why don't you tell us what how fucked up you think this is? Because you can find us on so many different places that you should let us know what you think. On all of the No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> on every single one. You have to go to each of our platforms and send us a message. <laughs> but if you don't want to go through all of our platforms you can start with our instagram and twitter you can find us at true crime any all lowercase or you can send us an email at true crime any at gmail.com you could also if you so choose head over to our website true crime we have a handy dandy submission tool where you can send us questions comments concerns other cases mm. based in new england please you'd yes. like for us to cover wish us well Oh, please. We'll wish you well. We always do. Tell us what you're thinking about. And if you want to be like our new best friend, Kelly, who bought us a coffee, you could scroll a little bit lower below our handy dandy submission tool and you could buy us a coffee if you so choose. That would be so nice of you, listener. 
And if not, we still appreciate you either way. So much. We would also so greatly appreciate if you left us a rating and or a review on Spotify. You can leave us a star rating there, or you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a star rating and or a written review if you so choose. And we would love you forever. If you don't, it's okay. We still love you if you already did. God bless. We love you. Thank you. And just for listening, we love you. Oh my God, you guys are my heart. (laughs) It's so full. My heart soars with the eagle's nest with you guys. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.